Hey everybody, how are you today? My name is Taylor and this is Morbid Academy. First of all, I am sorry for the audio in the last episode for Wayne Nance. Um, I don't know what went on with that. Um, if you don't know, I don't have typical podcasting equipment. I have my phone and then a mic that I plug into my phone and I just use the camera function on it. And that's also why I do the YouTube video because I'm like, well, I have it anyway, so why not? And then I record and I just hope to God that it's perfect or close to perfect as I can get it. And then I edit it and then I just really hope I don't have to re-record it. And last week I just didn't have time to re-record it. Otherwise I would have. So please forgive me on that. Also, please forgive me that this is late. Um, the last, I think Wayne Nance was also a little bit late. And this episode, this episode's actually like a week late. I apologize for that, but I finally got a job. Woot woot. And if you have followed me before I had the podcast with some of the other videos on my YouTube, you will know that I suffer from multiple things, including chronic migraines. So trying to find a job where I can actually work has been tough, but I finally found a job. I'm freaking loving it. And I'm currently just adjusting to my new schedule and making sure I don't get insane migraines and all that fun stuff. But I'm still here. We're still doing this. So let's get into this week's episode. Have you heard of the Sultan's Palace in New Orleans? Me either. That's why I'm covering it. I found this listicle on, I think it was like travel travelchannel.com or something and it had a list of some of the most haunted places in America and this was one of them. So let's get started shall we? In the 1830s Joseph Colin Gardet decided to move to New Orleans hoping to become a successful dentist and he he pretty much made the right move because within four years he his business was so successful that he commissioned a local architect to build his home at 716 Dauphine Street in the French Quarter. According to NOLA.com, the site was originally home to a small brick and wood home that was built in 1780 and was the home of a free woman of color, Victory Durette. She sold the home in 1811 to Frances Darby, who lived there until her death just five years later in 1816. Then in 1835, that home was torn down and the three and a half story home with a half raised basement was built. But then, in 1839, Gardette decided to sell the home to Jean-Baptiste Lepret, who was a wealthy bank merchant at the time and plantation owner. He bought the home for $20,049 in 1839, which today would be about $606,100. Which, honestly, I mean, it's a lot. It is a lot. But for some reason, I thought it was going to be closer to a million dollars. It's a lot, definitely, and going from 20000 to 600000 it's a big jump, but again, I just thought it'd be more. Anyway, does not matter. Lepret and his family would live at this mansion for about half the year, and then the other half of the year at their plantation. When the Civil War started in the 1860s, the family's financial stability tanked, and they could no longer maintain the upkeep of the home. So Lepret decided to lease it around 1878. And then this is where the story just becomes basically a legend. There's like no absolute fact from 
this point on. Even the whole him leasing it, Lepret leasing the helm, is, is kind of iffy. Nobody really knows. It's just a legend, but this legend has, I mean, there's a reason why it's still told today. So the story goes that Lepret was approached by a man of Middle Eastern descent or a Turkish merchant. The man claimed to be a sultan, and he wanted to rent the Gardet Lepret home, as it was known. But it was later found out that he was actually the brother of a sultan who had banished him and stripped him of any title that would tie him to the royal family. So he lied. At this point, Lepret is, is kind of desperate, and so he agrees to this guy. He says, here, you take the house. It's yours. Or he leased it. Whatever. Then, soon a ship arrived in the port of New Orleans. Five veiled women stepped off the boat first, said to be dressed in silks and satins, all of vibrant colors. Then the quote-unquote eunuchs, or so the story goes, men who were dressed in dark military clothing, each carrying a long bayonet. Why they called them eunuchs, I don't know. It's why I said quote-unquote. It's one part of the story that said that. I don't know. Is it important? Not really. And then the sultan himself, or the brother of the sultan. Then all the furniture, the beds, the vases, the portraits, rugs are taken off the boat and into 716 Dauphine Street. It's said that over the course of the next few months, the home was a hub of activity. Every night, the neighbors heard music and giggling of women and the, quote, deep masculine chuckles of men, end quote, and the um, distinct sounds of pleasure. Gross. Just, just the way that they described it like that, no. Was, no thank you. There was also a very distinct smell of opium and incense that came from the open windows. Basically, this guy was running a brothel, but only for the people in his home. The locals were never invited to the, quote, lavish parties end quote, that the sultan put on, nor were they ever allowed into the sultan's palace as it was soon nicknamed. From what I gathered, nobody entered the home, nobody left the home in the months that this guy was there. I also didn't get a time frame of when he was there, but I want to say it was maybe like a year, but nobody came, nobody left. If deliveries were made, the item was left on the doorstep, and then the next morning, money was left in its place. Now, that may seem all quote-unquote okay. Like, if they're, if all those people there are, are there of their own free will, sure, fine. But it's said that the people in his employ, quote-unquote, were his slaves, and that he was looking for young women to, quote, add to his harem, end quote. It's actually said that the story goes, I should say, that the brother of the sultan stole the actual sultan's harem. Either way, they, it doesn't seem like these people were there of their own free will. The story goes that he would even kidnap any beautiful young woman he laid his eyes on, Quote, any unfortunate maidens that the sultan chose to prey upon would soon find their virtue at risk within the midst of a house of sin, a palace of bodily pleasure 
where every whim of the Sultan was fulfilled. End quote. There's so much wrong with that whole thing. Vomitous. Obviously, very problematic. Problematic's not even, like, the right term here. But he's a bad man. He a gross man. But then at the same time, it's all legend. It's all just a story. So, who knows? Anyway, I'm continuing on. Then one day, a few months later, a storm hit the city. Everybody locked up their house, shutters, nobody was outside that night. The next day, a man was walking by the Sultan's palace and stopped dead in his tracks. There was blood down the front steps. Quote, it ran like a river, pooling in the divots of the uneven stone. End quote. The man ran to the police station, and when they arrived, the blood ran even thicker, apparently. Quote, one officer pushed the door open and the collective intake of breath echoed loudly in the silent house. End quote. I love that line because wow, also huh? terrifying. It said that there were dead bodies everywhere. Some had been flayed open, some were missing limbs. And as the officers continued through the house, there were just more and more bodies. According to one story, once they got into the courtyard, a hand was sticking out of the ground. Fingers spread as if crawling for help. The Sultan had been buried alive. Now, other stories say that he, the Sultan was never found and thought to have been kidnapped and maybe buried alive somewhere else. And according to that story, his body has never been found to this day. So one assumption, and you have to remember that this guy who rented the home from Lepret is actually the brother of a sultan and ran away with the sultan's harem, slaves, and his riches. So some people believe that maybe the sultan himself hired assassins to kill his brother and everyone in the house. And then, again, this is all legend. There is nothing to prove that any of this happened, except for the home belonging to Lepret, who did in fact suffer from some financial trouble during the Civil War. Everything after that, nothing. There is nothing but the story of the Gardet Lepret house, or the Sultan's Palace as it's known, was cemented in the town. In the 1940s, the New Orleans Academy of Art took up residence in the home, but was forced to close shortly after due to World War II. And then the mansion became home to the homeless until 1966, when it was purchased by Frank DeMacco and Anthony Veach Jr., who did a large-scale restoration and converted the property into six independent apartments and remains as such today. And that's the history of the Sultan's Palace or I should say, the story of the Sultan's Palace. And now onto the ghosty goose, because that's what you're here for. You may be thinking, if the story of the Sultan is just a story, how could the place be haunted? That's a very good question, and I don't have an answer for you. I just research, and then I tell you about it. But here's to the ghosties. In 1979, Frank's wife said that she woke in the middle of the night to see a dark figure standing at the foot of the bed. When she went to turn on the lamp on the nightstand, it began to approach her 
and then disappeared when the light went on. This is why I sleep with my lights on after I watch a scary movie. Nothing coming for me out of the dark. Keys have gone missing along with personal items. One man who lived in one of the first floor apartments said that he saw his dog being forcefully shoved down the stairs to the laundry room. The same dog won't go in to the living room unless accompanied by his owner. First of all, ghosty goose don't mess with the dog. Mess with the people all you want. Don't mess with the dog. Don't hurt the dog, okay? Just be nice. Past occupants of the house have seen a man dressed in Middle Eastern garments appearing on the walls of the home. And I'm really hoping they mean like shadow wise and not like crawling on the walls because they said appear on the wall. So what does that mean? You need to clarify that shit for me. Don't just glide over that. I want to know if this guy is like on the wall or his shadows on the wall. Either way, I don't want it, but I would rather have a shadow. People have heard things slamming on the floor and it was said that many people think that it's like body parts slamming onto the floor. And my question is, how do you know the sound of a body part hitting the floor? I don't know. But anyway, chimes have also been heard. The faint smell of incense and opium is smelled. And a man with dark hair has been seen in the windows. And that is it. The home is a private residence. So who knows what actually happens in that house now? or the apartments, because it's still technically an apartment complex now. But who knows what else has been seen or heard in there, if the people living there have actually, like, come forward with anything. But that's it. I mean, it makes sense that not a lot goes on there if the story of the Sultan isn't true and it is just a legend. And it kind of seems that way because, there, again, there's nothing to prove that this happened. There's nothing, nothing in the newspapers. And there was a massacre at this place, supposedly. So, and no paper, there's nothing in archives. There's nothing to prove that this happened. So I just find it very interesting that this place that just has a story behind it with no facts to back the story, it is literally just a legend. I mean, I wouldn't even say that it's a legend just because there is no proof. Like there's, but I could also say that like the legend of the Loch Ness Monster, there is no proof, but there's at least like pictures and people who are like, let's go investigate. And like, same with Bigfoot, but this, there's nothing. There is nothing. How many more times can I say that there is nothing? Whatever. The place is still haunted, but why is it haunted? Who is it haunted by? I want to know more. I want to know if this happened, but it honestly doesn't seem like it happened. Because how could a newspaper in New Orleans, in the French Quarter, that no nothing, nothing, take a shot every time. Re-listen re to this and take a shot every time I say nothing. Just, But that is the tale of the Sultan's Palace at 716 Dauphine Street in New Orleans. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you so much for listening. I know this one is... It's another short one. I found it interesting. I wish there was more. Let me know what you think. I wish there was more to tell you, but that that's it. Let me know what you think. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. 
please review the podcast uh, over on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen and rate and review the podcast. It really helps me out, helps the podcast out. And as always, you can find Morbid Academy wherever you get your podcast with new episodes on Fridays and the videos on Saturdays at Coffee, Creeps, and Cake over on YouTube. Check out the merch at morbidacademymerch.com. Consider becoming a Patreon member and head over to patreon.com slash morbidacademy. There's perks to being a Patreon member, including Patreon-only episodes, one that's coming out just this week, so go over there and listen. Or head over to buymeacoffee.com slash morbidacademy and you can donate there. It's just another place for donations, but there you don't have to like worry about monthly subscriptions or anything like that. It's like a one-time deal, so... Follow along on Instagram and Facebook at Morbid Academy. Send me an email or your own creepy morbid story so I can read them on the podcast because that would be freaking amazing. Morbidacademy at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you keep it creepy, friends. Bye-bye.